everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of Slime Time SideQuest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is Platy M3. And I suppose this is Genghis the whatever. You suppose? Jeez, is it uh, you or is it not? Yeah, it's me. Honestly, I wish it wasn't. I'm not feeling it tonight. Your heart just not in it tonight? Oh, not really. Jeez, you kind of sound like me every time uh, Earthbound comes up on our planning discussions. Hey, well, well, man, I'm super excited to talk about Earthbound or Nino Kuni or the Boston Bruins or how Alex Gore did nothing wrong. Uh, oh, well, hello there, drippy slime star. You seem to have an abundance of enthusiasm tonight. One might say an overabundance. Just jumping right into our opening joke like you had a line in it or something. Oh, who cares? Hey, could we also talk about the upcoming release for the PS5? Maybe Dragon Quest Tact again and really hoppy IPAs? Yeah, yeah. Hold up there, Drippy. Mind if I borrow a little of your enthusiasm and give it to old burned-out Yangus here? Yeah, dude. Does he also need a kidney, a lung, part of my liver, some bone marrow? Uh, thinking the enthusiasm will just be enough. Let me, uh, just cast Take Heart here. Ah, that tickles. And now to cast a little give heart. It didn't even work. <laughs> Woo! This is Janice Legendary Bannon. Do we ever have a show for you tonight? Whew. In case you uh, couldn't tell, we've brought back someone who's been on Slime Time Prime a couple times. Drippy Slime Star. And we've also got a new cast member joining us tonight because we couldn't let Drippy be the only star of the show. Wink, wink. We've got Blue Star. Welcome, Blue Star. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Angus. It's good to be here. Oh, thanks for joining us tonight, you two stars. Uh, let's jump right into talking about Nino Kuni because we have a trio of games. That's right, I said trio. A trio of games that all play quite differently tonight. And we've even got a movie to talk about. Got the whole multimedia empire going here. Uh, leave it to level five for that. Lots to cover, lots to argue about. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But uh, let's get right into it. Um, the first game that we're going to talk about is uh, Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. It came out in 2013. We're going to go out of chronological order here because we're going to talk about the PS3 release first, if you couldn't tell by Wrath of the White Witch. Um, came out in 2013. Uh, I played the Switch Remastered. Um, I guess it wasn't Switch Remastered, but there was a Remastered on the PC and the PS4. I played the Switch port of it um, last year in 2019, and I reviewed it for uh, RP Gamer. Uh, but I'm going to leave the game summary here to someone who is absolutely in love with this game. Drippy, why don't you go ahead and uh, summarize Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch for us all? Well, thank you. I would love to summarize the greatest game ever made uh, like you said, it came out in PS on PS3 in uh, 2013. I played it in probably 2016, um, and I played it again on the PS4, uh, the remastered versions. So the game is a collaboration uh, between Level 5, who are really well known for their RPGs. You know, they did the Dark Cloud games. Um, Dragon Quest VIII is obviously the big one um, that uh, fans of this podcast will know. Um and yeah, so Level 5 kind of worked with Studio Ghibli on some of the cutscenes and whatnot. Um, it's a... And some of the art, it's a... I don't know. 
it's not turn-based it's kind of real time um but you know it goes into uh the concept of dual worlds you're a boy named oliver um whose mother um spoiler alert for the first 45 minutes of the game uh she dies and uh his his uh, stuffed animal mr drippy comes to life and he's taken away to another world also known as nino kuni um it's it's really my favorite game ever as i've always said um just the world the characters the story everything about it is um just really light-hearted uh, it, it does get dark um especially towards the end I, I won't go into any spoilers or anything but there are some dark moments um but i mean it's just a really fun game um you collect certain monsters and stuff like that you level them up you evolve them uh, into different forms um and yeah it's just a really great game yeah i mean i i will disagree with you on the battle system but not on nothing <laughs> i mean <laughs> but on nothing put it heads on before yeah. it's, but it's... on absolutely nothing else i mean it was a grand adventure i i had a blast with it mm -hmm. you know just walking around so... the overworld and just exploring all the stuff and side quests galore and just different NPCs to talk to and the familiars, the uh, the monsters that you collect and evolve. Yeah. Because you can you can do a lot with them. They're, it's not just, uh, what is it, like Pokemon where you have one at a time or a, just a party of six because yeah. each person there's... can have three, right? Yep, each person can have three and then um, you can have, I believe, up to six on your bench that you can swap out. Uh, a lot of the people kind of find... Um, each character, well, each character starts out with a familiar, kind of the one that's drawn mm -hmm. from their heart. Um, and a lot of things that I've seen online are people just, they say, you know, just drop the starting familiars. But I remember in my initial playthrough, I got all the starters up to level 99. I just found them all useful. Uh, Might is, is definitely my favorite, which is Oliver's. Um, the, there's a penguin one that Esther gets. I can't remember the name right now, but that was a really good healer. And then Swain gets Hurley. Um, that was probably the least useful for me. He's more of um, a physical attacker. But I, I don't know. I just found the, the battle system really engaging. Um, I mean, I, I know a lot of people find it kind of confusing, and there is some there is some getting used to it. Um, but I mean, I guess it kind of breaks down to you know you either have uh, your human character or their familiar acting um you can use abilities which you can scroll through and that's kind of where the the real time comes in you know you can run around the battlefield and you you can run around and it doesn't matter like your positioning it's kind of i think more just to keep you engaged while you wait for your either abilities to reload or while you smack down somebody uh with a physical attack whatever um you know and, and you can switch between the party members um that you can have three active at a time. Um, the AI is really bad. They really <laughs> oh yes, it's atrocious. And um, you know, it's like I'm full on HP. I really appreciate the the you know the offer to heal me, uh, but I don't need <laughs> that to stop doing that. You can you can you know change around their tactics and stuff like that to like don't hold back or you know bait or don't attack at all uh save mp which is i always had it i think on save mp just because if anything to try to you know before you get to a boss you normally get healed up completely but you know it's just annoying where you know random battles and by the end of it you know you're using all your um mana restoration items um that's another thing i like too um there's an alchemy system, um, kind of like uh, Dragon Quest Eight, 
where you know you can find different items and stuff like that um but all all of uh the food items are they feel real i mean you can get like a cheeseburger you can get uh, a hot chocolate or whatever but you know then you have these like magical parfaits and stuff like that and they're (laughs) all drawn really nicely like just i cannot get over how much i love the art direction of this game i think that's really what sold me on it um you know it's just fun to be in the world and just a good time to be in the world yeah blue star how did you did you play this one yes i did um i definitely agree that the battle system takes a little bit of getting used to uh it's not a hundred percent useless running around the battlefield because there are uh little i think they're called glims Uh, which are basically little little health and mana potions that you can pick up on the battlefield uh, there are also power, there, there are gold ones that'll let you do a super attack at the end. Uh, so, so it's not 100% useless running around the battlefield. So there, there is a point, unlike in uh, Dragon Quest XI. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could dodge attacks by doing that, right? Uh, I don't, it might depend on the attack. I feel like I, I just kept running while doing menu stuff mm. because well, it could... During the boss battles, uh, they do have. Okay, and that may be where I'm thinking of it the most. Is like, (laughs) I would just keep running while I was playing in the menu. Like, oh my gosh, I need to pick this. I didn't want (laughs) to stand still. The boss battles in that game are such a difficulty spike from the random encounters. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, it was always, it was always very stressful coming up on a big story event because you, you know, you never knew if you were going to be prepared or not. Uh, the strategy that uh, my brother and I found, because I mostly played the game with my brother, was to mostly st- stand as Oliver, run for your life, and spam fireball. So it's kind of the, the, the mantra of a D&D wizard. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good strategy, actually, yeah. <laughs> you'll eventually uh, I feel like I spent half my time in the battle system doing was just running and occasionally <laughs> popping off something. So what was it about, I mean, so, like, Platty, with the battle system, like, what is it that you didn't like? Was it just because there was so much going on, you had to run around and choose the things? Or, you know, what was it that really didn't do it I think that, it was between that and the horrible AI. Like, you're Mm. you're right, you'd get into one random battle, and if you didn't touch the um, AI settings and didn't have them customized, your your, um, party members' familiars would, like, be wiped out of mana. Like, you couldn't go three battles, and they'd just be gone. I mean, you'd be running into trash mobs, and they'd be casting their biggest spells. Mm -hmm. Like, why? Why are you doing this? Just attack them. Just go all physical. And I, I don't know, Yangus will attest, he always laughs at me when he's like, well, didn't you actually go into the menus and play around with stuff? And I'm always like, well, you know, maybe not. I mean, I... <laughs> yeah, Platy te- definitely doesn't do that, so... <laughs> when we get to Nino Kuni 2, we'll talk about what I realized the other night. <laughs> oh, boy. That was quite surprising. I was like, yeah. oh, look at this. I was posting about it in the den, and he was commenting like, are you serious right now? Yeah, like, you're I... 17 I, hours. I'll- Game. I'll be honest, I kind of facepalmed when I read that. It's like, oh my god, how did he not know that? But we'll <laughs> <laughs> look forward to. Um, but yeah, I, I am tech, tech ugh, not technically, I'm typically a physical attacker. Like, I want to go up there, sword swinging, axe swinging, just go at it. And that's not really Oliver. That's not the way that that character and the builds are really in this game. So, um, you say so just 
So just control might the entire time. That's he spins the sword say. around, and he's yeah. adorable. So yeah, if you as Oliver, I always had might. Um, and yeah, towards the end of the game, when I was doing my grinds and stuff like that, he gets an ability that uh, slices in a um, in a uh, horizontal line, and I could almost you know wipe out the whole enemy opposite you know the whole enemy team before the thing even started uh but yeah i mean that's a good way to put it you know you think of the builds and stuff like that like oliver yeah he's not going to be running around you know smacking people with his one and stuff like that he's going to be yeah, running around yeah. flinging fireballs so yeah if you have those physical ones you know the thing is they share health and mana pools so mm-hmm. you know if you have a weak character and you send out a weak familiar well you run the chance at getting smacked down pretty quickly mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was. I, I felt like I was running for my life in all the boss battles. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I kind of thought I was doing okay. I think the first one where it took me by surprise was um, the castle where you just run into the tank. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, that boss. I can't remember if it's Porco Rosso, but that's another thing. I like there's some Ghibli nods, and it's, um, yeah, it's named after the pig one. A lot of people, I find, have trouble. That's the first one that really gives them trouble. Yep, and it, I think it was from there on out that maybe every other boss would take three or four tries oh, wow. to get through. Did you yeah. play on normal or easy? Nothing that matters to me. I, I, played, I played on normal up until I, I beat the game on normal. Mm-hmm. I did beat the game on normal because I did a lot of... Um, what are the like metal slime equivalents in this game? Uh, to- tokos or Tokotokos. Um, but yeah, I-, I know the one you're talking about. Oh, yep, yeah. There was, there was one in a mountain pass that was very yep. easy to like look at and know which one it was. And I mean, I just had luck at one point in the game where I hit like five of them in 20 minutes or something like that. And that's where I spent my end game was in that valley. Um, yep. Yeah, that, that's that. Yep. yep. I know exactly so, what you're talking about. Uh, I was able to kind of power my way through it. And yeah, it, I mean, almost like in a uh, action RPG or something, like I had to go into boss battles knowing I was going to lose, but kind of learning the patterns and mm-hmm. what was going to work, what wasn't. I might have had to switch a familiar in and out and make sure I was using more of one than the other or elemental stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I and I would say I died probably 15, 20 times throughout the main game. And those are I rookie really- numbers. <laughs> <laughs> those are what those are rookie numbers uh, <laughs> I, I really felt like probably 10 to 15 of those deaths was the ai killing me not me killing me or not, not the enemy killing me like i couldn't get over to switch to someone to heal me or i couldn't I, i'd be switching 30 seconds into the battle and the person would be out of mana already i'm like are you serious or trying to use an enemy and i'd get whacked I was like, Ugh. my my dexterity wasn't fast enough yeah. to switch between, or I didn't have the AI set right. And I, I, I wrote in my review, I said, I swear, I feel like I was battling the battle system more than the bosses. And really, it was just the bosses. I mean, random encounters, whatever. I mean, it wasn't a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And I felt there was a lot of places to heal. I mean, you were never too far away from certain places, or I was leveled enough that, you know, a lot of places I just went through going physical. Also, I absolutely loved the casino in this. <laughs> I played in that casino for hours and hours. There's a card game, mm-hmm. and I I fell in love with that card game. Like, man, if that was an act, right? Yes, because you had to, something like you got five cards, and they would play a card, and you had to play a card to add up to something. Mm-hmm. An event, you'd go back and forth, and it was like best three out of five. 
Yeah. I think maybe so, you got uh, seven cards. And all I know is I played that for hours, and I had so much that I bought a lot of the gold familiars from the casino. Yeah. And that helped a lot. I know looking online at the beginning, I was looking at like, you know, what familiar should I get? And there was, uh, everybody was like, oh, you need the dragon. That's yeah. Everybody's the plateaus, the right at the early game. I never got that. <laughs> yeah, I never did either. I don't think I did either. (laughs) I kept going up there and fighting him, but like it never. Was there a way to really try to influence which one joined you? I think Uh, it had to be the last one that you killed. mm -hmm. But there's no like items for it, was there? Well, each one had a certain rate to be recruited, and you could um, complete side quests. um, And and that's how I like how they do side quests in this because uh, each one gives you a certain amount of stamps on a stamp card. And after you fill it out, you actually get to choose your reward. So if you know kind of what you are going to be doing or what you want to focus on, um, you know, you can do that. So definitely towards the end, um, I was, you know, increasing um, the, uh, well, they call it serenading chance. Um, So I was boosting my serenation, serenading. And, um, you know, but so I asked, you know, what difficulty you played it on, because I didn't really end up dying until I was doing the Coliseum, the very last wave. Um, I feel like I was always not over leveled, but definitely in a comfortable spot because I was always doing the side quests. Mm -hmm. And some of the ones that were the most tedious are when you actually have to um, serenade certain monsters and recruit them. And there are some with some really, really low rates. So I was just constantly in battle. Um, I feel like I was always, you know, ready to go um, and leveled up. I I didn't really find, um, you know, any of the side quests boring or anything like that. Um, There were some where, you know, you had to get items and stuff like that. Um, But that's just an RPG. You have to rely on the drops. It's interesting that you say that because I also did all of the side quests and I still had trouble with all of the bosses. So I wonder <laughs> what, like, like what, what went, what went wrong? <laughs> you see, I'm a pro, um, so you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, because you know, I, I made sure I wanted to platinum the game and stuff like that, so I made sure to always do the side quests as soon as they came up. I didn't move on um, until I had completed all the side quests. I think there was one though, actually, where you had to wait to go to the next area and. Boy, oh boy, was that just like making me <laughs> I think I remember insane. that happening. It's like, yeah, it's like, here's this one side quest that you can't complete. I'm like, just just let me, please. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, just to jump ahead real quick, Nino Kuni 2 has a side quest that's just like that, that you get at like the very beginning of the game, but you can't do anything with it until you actually beat the game, which is really stupid. Yeah, is it the one? <laughs> I I feel like I know the one you're talking about, and because um, you yeah. meet the quest giver in a cave, and you you do eventually get to like have her join your uh, your your kingdom, but it's so silly that they give it to you like at the very beginning, but you can't do anything until like you're either at like the end of the game or after you've beaten the game. I don't remember which. Yeah, a lot of those kingdom quests, yeah, you kind of have to hope that you have their requirements or that they're not too far off yeah yeah so yeah i i would just say yeah the, the battle system was the, it was frustrating mm-hmm. and honestly other than that i every other part of the game like i said oh my god the casino like mm-hmm. that was amazing i spent way too much time there um but i even loved the theme of the casino it was in the uh graveyard area right that yeah Death mountain kind of thing and and stuff and um yeah, I never really got to hang around in the casino because uh, 
by the time that I needed the trophies that were associated to it, I could just buy all their rewards. <laughs> so it wasn't until I played in the casino that I actually like got into that card game and like slots and stuff like that. So I missed out on the casino my first time, but I had fun with it the second time. And having it on the Switch also, um, I think you got a bunch of the gold people the gold familiars for free mm-hmm. yeah because they were dlc back in the ps3 version and yeah we're correct in support uh, of the ps3 version yeah the and the gold ones it's a bummer that the gold ones don't do anything you know they, they don't have boosted stats or whatever but i mean that's kind of cool as well because when you find a gold familiar like if you find a gold might uh a gold toko you know the the metal slime variant kind of one um i always wanted that one i think i might have gotten one but i mean that was one that had like a one percent chance of being recruited um so that is a cool touch, just kind of more of a completionist thing. You know, you can have all the regular mm-hmm. filters, and then you can have some gold ones as well, just to kind of show off. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it wasn't that they were super powerful, but it was just that I, I had access to some of them yeah. early on. The, it, it wasn't something I had to hope for the recruit drop, you know. So, yeah, there was one point, uh, you're going through a trial, and there's a, is it the young king or something oh i'm trying to remember the part uh, in the game and that's where you just get them all yes uh, the solosium is um yes. yeah and um yeah because when you do his first trial um yeah you get to choose one of three um and then yeah then you do eventually get some golden ones um mm-hmm. or, you know, or that may have been when i realized that they were active and all the DLC was there through a menu or something like that. So, I mean, I didn't go through it. again. I didn't look everywhere, um, but I didn't. I, I mean, I might have had I might have used three gold ones out of my nine or 15 total that I had access. Yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, so. I would I had maybe like five or six that I would focus on. I would have my characters. They would have, you know, their three main ones and then like a backup one. And I never really went to the third slot because you can only use them for so long. They eventually do run out of, I don't know what they call it, but like basically energy. So you can't, you know, use the same one the whole battle. You do need mm-hmm. eventually to switch them out. Uh, but I never found myself getting to the third one. It was just more to fill up a spot. And I was like, well, I guess I have to fill my party. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I felt that way. I think I, then again, what the heck did I know with the battle system? I was shuffling them in and out, and they were yeah. dropping and whatever. I was trying to run for my life. Although, you know, for the most part, with all the trash mobs, whatever that you were doing, you didn't even need to switch anybody. So That's true. for the most part, yeah, you just have your main ones, and you go through a normal battle, and it was okay. So, yeah, it was, gosh, I, I just, and, and you know what? And, and I'll talk about this a little bit more. I had played about 17 hours of the DS version of this game. And that battle system is so 100% turn-based. I think that was in my head, too. I'm like, I'm playing through the same game here, but this battle system is so different yeah, definitely. than its earlier version. And it, I, I'm definitely not the most dexterous person. I don't really do platformers and <laughs> action RPGs very often at all. So I know I'm not good. I know that going into it. <laughs> And it, it, it just felt harder than it needed to be. That's fair. And yeah, the AI. Oh my god, the AI. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are some times where you feel like you're you're like moving your hand around your controller to like hit the. I mean, you can use the triggers to change the commands and stuff like that. But I mean, it can get yeah, your hands can get pretty warped around your controller at some times. That's right. I know I was complaining about something near the end of my review. I had put something in my review. I hadn't quite beaten the game yet, but I had a draft of my review, and I, I'm like, oh, I'm almost ready to do it. Oh, I know what it was. I had beaten the game, 
and I'd written my review, but I was like, you know what? I might as well go through and do the post game in the White Witch. This doesn't seem like a really long, drawn out thing. And I enjoy I enjoyed the game enough that I'm like, I'm gonna beat the White Witch. Why not? You know, I've already seen the credits. I could write a review, yeah. but I mean. It, it wasn't, you know, this game was, what, five years old by this point when I'm reviewing the Switch version for RP Gamer. So there was no need to rush out a review of this. Um, yeah. So I'm like, oh, you know, let me spend another week. I'll do the White Witch. And somebody was had proofread my review, and they're like, you know, there's a hot button that do this and this. And I was like, son <laughs> of a bitch. Sure. But no, it was. There were times when I was like, I need to be hitting the L2 button while moving the right joystick and pressing A at the same time. Like, I can't, I don't have enough fingers going the right ways. On my so, <laughs> but no, everything else you said, the world building, the whole two world system was really cool. You know, the whole storyline without a... The whole storyline without getting into two spoilers, you know, where bosses would come from and where who you'd be fighting and when. And the fact that there was someone that would match in one world and the other. Like you'd yeah, find that as well. Um, and a lot is when I played the, the PS4 version, um, I, re I didn't realize or remember how bad the backtracking was in the beginning. Mm hmm. Yeah, you do have to go back and, and forth kind of quite a bit. You do to a soulmate. There yeah, was you, know, you do something in your world that affects us in there. Uh, I don't know. That kind of got to me. Yeah, I liked. Uh, what is it? Was it the nightmares that? Uh, oh, the nightmares. You could fight. That was a neat little thing. Like you'd find some guy, and you're like, "Hey, that looks just like you know Jenny down the block where I grew up from." And why is she acting like this? And you'd go back to your normal world and find out that something was wrong with Jenny there and approach them and there was a dark cloud around him and a nightmare and you'd beat that dark cloud and she would feel better and you'd go back to the Nino Cooney world and all would be right with that character there. I thought that was pretty cool. I honestly thought the nightmares were some of the some of the hardest bosses. So uh, they uh, lived up to their billing. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, righty. I think we've uh, talked to this battle system to death. There's a, definitely good parts and bad parts and honestly there's people that love it and that's fine i think that was just that one part of contention for me because other than that i love the game and i mean it was a game i waited a long time to play um i never had a ps3 and i know probably about three or four years ago i kept thinking i was like you know there's people out there selling their ps3s um locally for like 50 bucks i should just buy a used one for 50 bucks I wanted to play uh, Rune Factory Tides of Destiny, um, which never got a PS4 port. I played it through streaming at one point when the old rent something via PS Plus, and I really enjoyed it. I'm like, I should just buy that and play Nino Kuni Tides of Destiny. Never got around to it, and then uh, luckily it came to Switch finally, so lucked out. Blue Star, do you have anything else you want to say about Nino Kuni 1? Uh, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. There is so much that is great about the game uh i definitely think the battle system is something that you know it it might take a little bit to get used to but overall just the world building and the story and just the immersiveness of all of it is you know really cool and it makes it really special mm -hmm. any lot last thoughts drippy <laughs> let me take you back to a time oh are well are we still talking about uh the the first game well you know what before I ask you for your last thoughts, because you've got the perfect transition, I'll spend yep. all of like three minutes talking about um, the original Nino Kuni. Because before the White Witch came to PS3, uh, this started out as a DS game. And honestly, like playing it, I, I 
waited, and I want to say December uh, 2018, a fan translation completed for it. I've been following it on uh, Game uh, and Wait GBA Temp. Been fi- been following a thread there for like a year and a half. Like, ooh, I'm gonna I'm finally gonna play this game. I'm gonna play the DS version when they finally fan translate it. And I did. I got it. Um, I put it on my phone in January of 2019. And I played it for a good 17 hours um, on a DS emulator on my phone. It was good that I did that. I mean, nowadays, I probably could just hack my 3DS pretty easily and put it on there. Uh, because it, it was quite unique at the time, other than in a, just a sea of other regular DS games. Uh, it actually used the touchscreen very well. It you, you didn't use it for picking menus and all that crap that the earlier games like really forced you to on the DS. But you would draw spells. Like when you had to cast Fireball in battle to actually learn the spell, you had to draw it for the first time. After that, you could pick it from a menu or choose to draw it either way. But to learn spells in the game, you actually had to draw them. And a lot of those spells, you had to use the wizard's companion that came with the game to do that. Um, I had actually sat and printed out the whole 300-page wizard companion (laughs) (laughs) because it was beautiful. It's pretty. Um, For those of you who got it with the PS3, um, if you got the special edition, collector's edition, I know a lot of people love that. But... You needed it for the DS version. It, it actually referenced pages. You'd go up and talk to people, and they're like, oh, you're learning to be a wizard. Well, then, obviously, you have a wizard's companion. Um, you should, like, turn to page 47, and, you know, there's a, there's a spell there. If you look, there's, like, spells hidden in graphics. Like, you had to trace something. It might just be a hump with a line through it. They were very basic, you know, a circle with a diagonal line in it or something, but it was pretty, or like a lightning spell might just be like a draw lightning bolt, but it was pretty cool. Um, there was one or two that were just a pain in the butt. And I don't know if it's because of the, you know, I was doing it on my phone instead of on an original DS and not using a stylus to do it perfectly, but my big old fat finger, um, <laughs> on my six inch cell phone or something like that. But it was a cool little system. The battle system was purely turn-based um, you know, you, you actually lined your guys up in a grid and there'd be people in front and in back. So you could, uh, protect your, you could have, uh, Oliver standing in the back line with familiars in the front line so that he, uh, wouldn't always be the first one to take a hit. Um, so there was a little bit of grid base there, but so positioning mattered a little bit, perhaps more than later on in the white witch part. But, you know, all the story beats were there uh, I remember things happening in maybe a little bit different order, um, I don't remember getting to the casino in this one on the DS, but it might just that have been when I crapped out was right around that time. Something else came out in February of 2019, January, February. And I was like, Ooh, you know, shiny. And I don't have to play on my phone anymore. Um, <laughs> play on the Vita or the switch or whatever. So, and then later in the year I got to play Nino Kuni on the switch. So it, it was interesting. I liked it. I wish you know, we would have gotten that version too. Um, that's definitely something I would have picked up on the DS back then because it, it, to me, playing it seemed a lot like playing Dragon Quest Nine. Um, I got the Dragon Quest Nine vibe, but then again, it was a level five game developed right around the time as Dragon Quest Nine. So, you know. Yeah, I remember with um, back when Nintendo Power was still around, they had a preview or two for like they usually would do a little section where they talk about games that are coming out in Japan, and one of the uh, 
issues they talked about Nino Cooney's release. And I remember looking at it and it's like, man, it looks a lot like Studio uh, Ghibli art style. And sure enough, it said in the article that it was. Mm-hmm. They helped collaborate with the game. And I remember reading through it, and I remember them saying, I don't remember if it was the first preview or one of the later ones they had, but they were like, there's a good chance this might not be coming to the West. But it's still, you know, fascinating to see that this sort of collaboration is happening, you know, overseas. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sure enough, we didn't get the DS version, unfortunately, but I'm at least glad that there was a dedicated group to fan translate it and to, uh, you know, get away or um, to get the uh, Wizards Companion book two people if they wanted to print it off or if they needed to find a certain page or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went through the trouble of translating that whole tire Wizards Companion when the uh, PS3 version came out. Seems like a shame that they uh, didn't just put it up for sale for other people, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like how Square Enix just, you know, they brought over Dragon Quest XI for the PS4, but they just totally ignored the 3DS version outside of Japan. You know, handheld gaming is just not quite as big over here as it is in Japan, you know? And I want to say this was, I like, really late DS. Like, I mean, it's DS. It's not 3DS. So that, that timing of that might have been an issue with it as well. Yeah. Right at the Could end of the well DS be. lifestyle. And, yeah, you're right. is when it came out. December 9th, 2010. In yeah, because that would have been a year before... Um, the 3ds came out because i think the 3ds was early 2011 Mm -hmm. but um i mean with how long it usually took for level five games to get translated at the time and i mean it usually takes about two years for us to get a level five game at the time (laughs) yeah we're still waiting on a yo we're we're how many years behind on yokai watches at this yeah if we're gonna even get another one but but yeah like level five games always seem to take a long time to get fully translated so they probably just at that point were like well there's no point in bringing over this ds game because people have probably moved on to the 3ds so they just focused on the ps3 um, enhanced version or remake or whatever exactly it's classified as yeah i mean it's almost i mean i wouldn't say it's a different game because of you know it's obviously the same story um with some other stuff going on in the background um and but yeah, the battle system's different and a few other things. But it's beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful game. So I could see why, you know, if they knew that was coming, if they, you know, had already decided, hey, we're going to do this again pretty soon after. Um, I could see why it'd probably be an easy decision just to be like, you know what, let's not give America the little Pokemon-ish clone kind of thing. Let's give them that full cinematic, beautiful Studio Ghibli looking PS3 version. So I liked it. I, I mean, I don't think I can go back and play it again after playing the um, beautiful game. Yeah, I, I put a picture in the chat here for everybody, and it's like, oh yeah, that's uh, that's a 2009-2010 DS graphics <laughs> game. <laughs> now that I've seen everybody in 3D, I'm like, meh, I don't think I want to get back on my phone and finish that one up. <laughs> I don't blame you. So, hey, on that... Those graphics rip- had their place. Oh, they did. In a time and place, they were... I have no problem with them. They were great. See, I still like DS graphics because it reminds me a lot of, since I grew up during the N64 and PS1 era, it reminds me a lot of that, but just with some better details and a little more, you know, a little more refinedness to it because, you know, 3D gaming had come a long way since, you know, mid 1990s. Mm -hmm. But I get it, though, if somebody's not a fan of that style, you know, could be just from growing up with that sort of look that I... I've never thought too much of it or like if I go back to DS games, but you know, I get it if somebody doesn't like it. 
And, and you know what? Like I said, it was fine for 17 hours, and then, you know, stuff got in the way. And then now that I've played the uh, PS3 slash Switch port, it's hard. That That's where it makes it hard. It's not hard to go back to because of what it looks like in general. But comparing, like, I've already played this game. Oh, yeah. Okay, and I've played it that looks like this. That <laughs> Yeah, I get you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, it's more like, you know, you've played the DS version of Dragon Quest Four. Do you really want to go back to the original where you don't have the AI control and the whatever? You know? Now, if you really love sprites, you might. But if not, hey, you've got the same experience. I feel like I've got the same experience, so I'm good. All right, so enough with Nino Kuni 1, though. Whether you're talking the DS or the White Witch, Drippy, take us with your memories into uh, Nino Kuni 2. Let me take you back to the year 2015 of our Lord in PlayStation Experience in San Francisco, California, where I was watching a trailer for my most hated game ever. I hadn't beaten or played Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch yet, um, and it would become my favorite game of all time. It still is. And I saw a uh, commercial, or I guess a trailer, for Nino Kuni 2. And after I played Nino Kuni and finished it and proclaimed it as my favorite game ever, um, I was very excited for Nino Kuni 2. I watched every trailer. I tried to get as much merch as I could. I got the stupid Funko Pops. But the thing that got me was the $200 collector's edition that I pre-ordered at my local GameStop. And luckily for me, they were doing um, not a midnight release, but a 9 o'clock release, um, Eastern Standard Time. And I wanted to make sure that I got my collector's edition, and I was going to be the first one to get it. So I waited at that GameStop for an hour. I loaded up the game, and I have never been more disappointed in a game in my life. I can hear somebody. Well, on the bright side, with how that cut you off, all we heard was, I waited at GameStop for an hour, then I got home, and I started the game. <laughs> I mean, it cuts you off, but at least it had an appropriate kind of cut off this time, <laughs> so it still kind of worked. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that's good for me. Basically, everybody knows I fucking hate this game. Um, and I, and I really <laughs> No, you don't like it. I can't. <laughs> if you want to throw that into that, I fucking hate the game. You can throw that into, but sorry that I'm making your editing really hard tonight, Vladdy. Oh no, we I put the explicit tag on all these episodes. We fucking say whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. These Not are the, these are sure. definitely PG thirteen episodes. Little kids, if you're listening at home, turn that off. <laughs> turn off right fucking now. <laughs> <laughs> well. We will wait for you to go item by item why you hate the game a little bit more. But let's get a Yangus to kind of summarize this game. And then uh, we can talk about the different parts. And this is a game that I've actually just started um, about two weeks ago. Uh, I know we had talked to Drippy about doing this episode right when SideQuest, when we had talked, right when it came up that we were going to start doing the side quests. You were like, yeah, 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 Nino Kino, Nino Kuni, Nino Kuni. And I was like, well, yeah, because I've already played the first one. I played the DS. The movie came out earlier this year, and we'll talk about that. I was like, sure, whatever. But about a month ago, I thought, eh, you know, if we're going to, I might as well try the second game. I mean, this was a game that I actually had pre-ordered. Um, Drippy, I think I was like you. I'd watched all the trailers. I'm like, this is beautiful. I'd always heard of the first game. I've been thinking about buying a PS3 just to play it. Like, oh, the second one's coming out. Cool. I pre-ordered it, and it must have been two, three weeks before it came out. I started watching battle footage, and I'm like, well, this isn't really 
in any way turn-based. I, I, what am I, I don't want to play this. Forget it. And I canceled my pre-order. But about a month ago, I picked one up for all of uh, $16 on eBay and plopped it in. And I, right about now, I'm about 23 hours into it. Um, but I'll talk more later. Yangus, go ahead. Introduce okay. this game a little better. All right. So with Nino Kuni 2, it mainly does take it it's a game that focuses more on the other world or the nino kuni world instead of the um kind of like what the first game does where you start as oliver and in basically our world and then he mm-hmm. goes over to the other world uh with the beginning of the game you start off seeing this president of an unnamed country which i took it as either supposed to be like the united states or something and you see a nuclear bomb goes off the president gets caught up in the explosion but instead of dying, he ends up in the other world of Nino Kuni as a younger version of himself. Uh, his name is Roland. Uh, he, of course, is kind of confused what's going on. He finds himself in the middle of a staged coup that's going on within the kingdom of uh, Ding Dong Dell, which is a location from the first game. Uh, the crown prince, Evan, uh, Penny Petty Whiskers, I believe is his name, he is um, trying to be, or he is going to be killed by the mouse people of the kingdom of Ding Dong Dell because they're led by the royal chancellor, uh, Mousinger, who's coming to kill Evan, take the throne for himself, and try to... I think his his claim is that he wants to lead the kingdom into proper posterity instead of being under, ruled by the cats or something. A little bit of racism going on there, or like race suppression, whatever you want to call that. Uh, anyway, so Evan and Roland team up uh, to try and escape... Roland is trying to protect him. Then there's Evan's handmaid that comes along to help him out. They eventually escape. Uh, events happen. The handmaid dies. And, you know, Evan at this point has lost his kingdom. He's lost his family. And he's pretty much all on his own now with just Roland at, by his side. Well, since Roland doesn't know anything about the world, he's going to stay with Evan to try and learn about it and protect him. And Evan decides that he is going to try and create a place where people can live happily ever after. Uh, because that's something that his handmaid had hoped for and something that his father had hoped for as well so as the game goes on you then start meeting some of the other characters that join you there's a uh, tani and her father uh, baku who are part or batu excuse me that are part of the sky pirates there's oleander who's from the seaside kingdom that's out in the middle of the ocean that has like humans as part of the population and mermaids as part of the population uh you eventually meet an adventurous named bracken who comes from the kingdom of broadleaf which is sort of like um, a technologically advanced city where everybody's kind of almost like a steve jobs or a uh, bill gates sort of character where they're very intelligent working together and everything but as the game goes on, you travel to these different kingdoms. Uh, eventually, you're able to found your own kingdom, uh, the Kingdom of Evermore, thanks to the help of Evan's kingmaker uh, called Lofty. And, Lisa Simpson. Uh, yep, yep, <laughs> Lisa Simpson. Little Lisa Simpson. With a Welsh accent, but you do... Uh, eventually get to form your own kingdom in the Heartlands, which is a, a big open field type uh, area of the world map. And as you uh, get your kingdom established, you then realize, well, we have to travel to the other kingdoms and try and form these treaties with everybody else. So not only can we start like diplomatic trades, but we can, you know, get the support that we need for our kingdom. And as you travel to the other kingdoms, you start to realize that all of them have been corrupted by the same man who's named Deloren. He looks... he I don't know if this wasn't the case in the first game, but a uh, way to tell that if a character is bad in the Nino Kuni games, at least with two, um, is if they have green skin, and usually they like hide part of their face. You see that in the Nino Kuni movie as well. Uh, but Deloren, whenever he shows up, he always has this um, like giant cobra mask on his head. He's got long 
uh, flowing purple robes and everything. Like he keeps his identity a secret, and you mm-hmm. do you do eventually find out um, who he really is and how he relates to one of the main uh, playable characters because it does eventually kind of lead up to some of the aspects that were from the original with like the soulmates and how there's characters that relate to one another uh, from one world to the next but basically then your story after you founded your kingdom is to travel to the other kingdoms of the world uh, you find out that there's problems going on within their realms that their own kingmakers are beginning to run wild and become a little more rampant uh, that they're causing problems corrupting the leaders and eventually your party uh, works the way to help out that uh, particular kingdom uh, the king then agree to work together with Evermore and eventually leads up to you going after Deloren and the ancient kingdom that he's trying to revive. Yeah, that is a uh, that's what I've seen so far. I would I think it's funny that like every time he goes to a new kingdom, he's trying to get him to like the first thing they talk about is like, we're going to wipe out war. We're not going to fight anymore. And like none of these kingdoms are fighting in the first place. <laughs> I mean, they've got all these internal issues and the issues with the main antagonist, but it's not like they're at war to begin with. Like, we promise we're going to have our armies lay down their arms and everything. And I'm like, that, that's not the problem in this game, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're solving a problem that doesn't exist. Yeah, I think Evan's plan with that was more so to do with how Mausinger, you know, caused the coup yeah. and was trying to upstage everything. I think at least just from my perspective and I could be remembering wrong but I think Evan did that because he was afraid that other nations could perhaps you know they could deal with the same sort of issue that he had to deal with you know losing his kingdom you know losing his family because of all this happening so I yeah you're right though I do remember that not a lot of the kingdoms had that sort of thing going on it was more so that the rulers were coming corrupt and like like with the, the gambling town that you first go to like the big thing there is that a lot of people are losing at the casino on purpose because everything's being rigged so they're owing the town a lot of money so even though the town itself and the leader is prospering that all of the people are suffering because of that though and they're not really seeing any sort of uh, benefits happen because of the money going into the casino and going into the government and so on and so forth you know it's more so Deloren's trying to I think what he did is he plays into the weakness of a character because that's one of the reasons why there's the coup in Ever- or not Evermore in uh, Ding Dong Dell in the first place because he realized that when Evan's father was still alive he couldn't get to him he couldn't corrupt him so he kind of worked his way down the pole and then had like I forget I think it was like Mousinger or Mousinger's assistant it was uh, Mousinger's he- assistant okay thank you uh, he went for Mousinger's assistant who then started corrupting Mousinger which then eventually led other events so mm-hmm. it's kind of it's interesting i think how the villain goes about his plan like sort of staging everybody to be corrupted and maybe if you know evan hadn't started stepping up with everybody else's help that maybe the world could have gone to a big war then you know mm-hmm. that would have well, been interesting I, to see i know there's that point and oh my god it was like the most aggravating point for a while i know it was like okay well this is the MacGuffin quest you got to go on here for a bit but like at one point you're like you found you found your kingdom and they're like hey let's go to the library and learn about the rest of the world and <laughs> holy shit five hours later you get to go into the library and read some books <laughs> the librarian's like hey get me this and this and this and you know you got to complete three quests to get to the library and this quest has like three parts to it and oh my god yeah, but chapter four I know is... when Roland's reading the books of the history of the world, I know the wars and the things are issues. So that is a uh, I could see that is why part of their pact is we're not going to be at war with each other. And yeah, 
because like the thing is too with Nino Kuni 2 it does seem to take pl- I mean it does take place in the same world as Nino Kuni 1 from my understanding because you know you have places like Ding Dong Dell and some other places like that but it seems to be like it takes place like hundreds of years after that first game took place I think so I somewhere I saw it's sort of like it almost runs on uh, Narnia time where if you've ever read the uh, the Chronicles of Narnia books where like hundreds of years could pass but maybe like only a year passes in the real world or something like that. Yeah, but... and if um, from the first Nino Kuni movie or n- I mean that movie, the first <laughs> Nino Kuni game, like um, the the main hero comes from, it's like 1950s small town America and Roland as president in the opening of Nino Kuni 2, it looks like, you know, it could be today, 2020. Yeah, it, it um, has a more modern feel to it, yeah. So it's like, it's, it's like, like 50 60 70 years difference but yeah in the world of Nino Kuni there's no real mention of anything that happened in the first game it, so it looks like you know a thousand years might have jumped there so yeah I get what you mean yeah all you really get for like like a straight shout out to the first game that I remember is when Evan is trying to get his kingmaker from the kingmaker trial um, at the beginning of the game Mm. He has to assemble these statues in a particular order, and as you do that, it reveals like it almost tells like the story of Nino Kuni one in a fairy tale or like yes. a legend. Like it's like once upon a time there was a little boy and his fairy, and they were assisted by like a powerful wizard, um, a spunky young lass, and what you know it was it was something like that. Because I remember when playing through it, it's like oh okay yeah they must be talking about the first game then because. Um, and you, you have to notice I... statues of them, and they are the characters from the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, as, as some of the listeners might have picked up, since I didn't say much for Nino Kuni 1, I did not play that game. I, It was a game that I had wanted to play, but I didn't own a PS3, so it just was never something that I got around to. And I'm a big fan of Studio Ghibli movies, which is basically the reason why I wanted to look into it, is because of that. But... um. I never owned a PS3, so I never bought the game, but I remember when it was coming out, it was a big deal and everything. So with Nino Kuni 2, though, I had a PS4, and when it came out, uh, when it did, it had been kind of a stressful winter for me. So, you know, April 2018, when it came out, it's like, okay, you know, I've really wanted to play the first game. I'll pick up the second one. It, it looks pretty interesting from the trailers and everything. And I ended up playing that game for like 80 hours, and I platinumed it. It was, mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a good time with Nino Kuni 2. Like, I know that some people who do care a lot about the first game don't like the second one, but no, you know, I, I, you know, I totally respect that if, you know, you don't like the game that much. You know, it is pretty different from the first one, but I, I it was a game that for me it was something that I needed at the time for some sort of going sort of game, just with how things had been the, uh, the few months prior, or the months prior to me playing it. And I think I told this to Platy too as I had been playing it, but it really gave me a Dragon Quest kind of feel to it, mainly with how you travel to the different towns, you help the towns out with their problems, uh, eventually like you sort of see how those changes affect the entire town as a whole, and eventually affects the rest of the world and everything. Because like after all, you've helped the town, like everybody comes together to help you out uh, with the final battle. So there was just a lot of elements to Nino Kuni 2 that I got real Dragon Quest vibes from, but just more with an action RPG uh, style to it. Mm-hmm. Blue Star, what did... Uh... What kind of experience did you have with Nino Kuni 2? So I liked Nino Kuni 2 a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm, I feel like uh, I'm in the boat where I really liked both games. I actually platinumed both of them, uh, but I also recognize that they're very different games, despite sharing the same name. Uh, as far as Nino Kuni 2 goes, I feel like they they may have. Eh, 
they could have done a better job with the world building that they had in the you Kuni know, one that just brought everything together. It, it felt very more, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Just with, uh, since the, it, there weren't as many connections between the other world and our world, so it didn't mm-hmm. feel quite as real, if that makes sense. Um, but as far as gameplay goes, you know, building your own kingdom is always a lot, a lot of fun, and choosing, hey, which upgrades do I want now rather than later. Uh, I'm pretty sure I actually left the game on overnight so that my kingdom would continue generating money. Uh. <laughs> uh, I definitely did that last night. I made myself some popcorn and got a drink and went to the bathroom and cleaned the kitchen a little bit because I knew there was some research that was going to take like 45 minutes <laughs> and I didn't have money. So I was over there like every 15 minutes collecting my money and then walk away for 15 minutes. So, yep, definitely did that. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think the overall story of Nino Kuni 2 is good, but I don't think the individual characters are as good as uh in the original i can see that i uh, i am 100 percent fixated on the president i love roland i think he's pretty badass in this game um the boy king evan i'm like whatever that that's what uh yangus and i were going back and forth about last night i discovered um after i got oh. the axe wielding girl from uh what was her name, Yangus? It's Breck. Yeah, it's Breck, and then she's from the Kingdom of Broadleaf. Yes. Well, I got her last night, and I realized that I didn't have to have Evan in my party. Here I am, 21 hours into it, and I'm like, oh, I can take Evan out of my party. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's, what I, so much <laughs> that's what I facepalmed about last night when I saw it. I'm like, he didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> the little pirate girl has been, played no part in my story, and the stupid counselor guy from the, what is it, the sea kingdom i was like whatever with you too dude i'm not putting you in my party i don't care but okay but he fights with a spear by controlling it with his mind uh oh damn that sounds cool <laughs> yeah he's yeah he's, he's not very strong with physical attacks but oleander has some of the best magic in the game like i think he can outclass evan with his magic attacks yes i believe that to be true well damn i just picked up a really 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 good spear and I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, I might have to put him in for a battle or two. Well, now, now you've convinced me just with those comments. <laughs> control I'll have to give him a try. But yeah, um, I, I love the president. But like, that's really the only one who's made an impact to me, like story wise. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, too, because as cool as Roland is with how he exists in the game, I feel like outside of the story that's being told, he just kind of i mean i guess he does just sort of kind of appear in the world but it doesn't feel like he has a whole lot of actual character motivation or backstory which seems kind of weird to me no you're right it's just like oh look i popped into existence (laughs) oh what you're a boy about to get killed cool let's run away to the and look i have a gun pow 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 Yeah, that that definitely seems to... refills. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> that does seem to be a trend with the games and with the Nino Kuni stuff. That's for sure. Where characters are just like, oh, okay, I'm in this world now. Fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I, I noticed that with the movie when we I watched it, but we'll get to that part. So I, I think it's just now a thing where level five's like, you know what? There's no point in the characters overreacting. They're they're fine with it. They're in a they're in a crazy world. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> deal with the psychological impact of uh, yep. between worlds here. Yep, they're fine with it. That's all good. Just go with it. Um, but, you know, I, I can see too where you would be coming from, like the characters not being as developed. With me not having played the first game, I 
you know, didn't really realize how like the characters were written because I have I haven't played Nino Kuni one yet, but I do I did look up stuff about it after I played Nino Kuni two, so I did see some differences, and I think part of why I give it the Dragon Quest comparison for Nino Kuni 2 is because when you know when your characters join they might not say a whole lot kind of like how with Dragon Quest but you can go back to Evermore and you can talk to them they can give you opinions on like like even just from little stuff that happens story-wise you can get like new conversations out of them I wish you could do that when they're in your active party and you can just turn to them and talk to them like if you're just not like outside of a battle or something Mm -hmm. but you know, I think you there was a few little things that they could have done to better um, uh, develop the characters as you were playing. But I think the DLC sort of addressed that issue, too, because I know with like because when you brought up Roland Blue Star, I remember seeing I remembered seeing something about how um, the second DLC for Nino Kuni 2 was going to have. Uh, a lot more like story development scenes for all the playable characters and one of them that was going to get a focus was Roland and his relationship with his family back in the real world. I do think I saw that as well. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten a chance to play any of the DLC. It's it's on the very very long bucket list for maybe when I'm not drowning in schoolwork at some <laughs> point. <laughs> So, um, I mean, this could be a big difference between having Studio Ghibli writers, right? Um, yeah, because I think the first movie, or not first movie, geez, the first game, I think, had some input from Studio Ghibli, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong on that, but I think Level 5 were the main, the ones who were mainly responsible for the writing and the story of uh, Nino Kuni 2, but then Ghibli still provided, like, the designs and art assets and everything like that because that's something we'd have to look up though because I, I i don't remember from off the top of my head who specifically was writing the story for uh nino kuni one mm-hmm. nino kuni's i mean it was directed by a studio ghibli animator the first one right oh no that never mind i'm looking i'm looking at the movie never mind <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean there's definitely like we said you know the second one is more of a fairy tale. The tale of the little prince that got kicked out of his kingdom but saved the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'm like, it, it, uh, I've, I've got a list of likes, a bunch long, and I could keep going on. And like my dislikes right now, 22 hours into it, is the boy king, Snooze, Lisa Simpson, the kingmaker. Although I just had a scene where the Kingmaker got pretty cool, so oh, you got to that part. I you... I got to that part. Oh, well, I love last that night, scene. I know exactly night, so. what you're talking about. Yep, <laughs> that was so cool. I love that part when he didn't look like Lisa Simpson. There we go. That that's what I'll leave. <laughs> there we go. You and... know that is that is actually something that I miss from the first game is the fairies because mr mr drippy and his whole fairy race they had their whole city Mm -hmm. where they just you know their whole city ran on comedy and it was actually really charming and in nino kuni 2's world it just doesn't exist which eh. yeah Yeah, i was surprised that that wasn't in the game because when lofty started speaking and he had the welsh accent i'm like well I think that that drippy character from the first game had a, a voice kind of like that too. So I thought, oh, okay, well maybe he's a fairy and there's going to be fairies in the second game and, you know, played through the whole thing, never came across any. It's like, did, did they like all die or what? <laughs> <laughs> that plot point is conveniently forgotten. As are many in the game, if we're going to be honest. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, my only other dislike about the game is it took a long time to get to the kingdom building. Like, that was something I was looking forward to. And, I mean, now that I'm 22 hours into it and I've been kingdom building for 10, I mean, whoop-de-doo, that, that dislike is long since passed. Um, and I know I've got a long time to play with it still. Um, my kids were watching me. I played uh, while dinner was cooking tonight in the Instant Pot for an hour. Um, they sat and watched me play, and I did one of the, uh, uh, what is it, the, there's seven doors that you go through and do those randomized areas to get to the end where the danger level's always going up, and you can collect the orbs to lower the danger level. Oh, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I do yeah, too, I but I forget options. what it's called. <laughs> yeah, I get, there's seven of them, that's all I remember. That's a question. Yeah, there's secret the doors like, that you can find in some of the dungeons, and then they mm-hmm. lead you to randomized dungeons then. Yeah, and yeah, I found one in the southwest of the game along a coast, of because I had to go over there for some reason. They told me, hey, go to this cave. Oh, you had to get some, uh, it was for some merwoman doctor, you know, a fetch quest to get her to join your kingdom, which a lot of these are. They're a bunch bunch of the side quests get you uh, items, and then also the person that you get the item for or beat a boss for or whatever um, then becomes one of the people in your kingdom. So, ah, thank you, Drippy. A dreamer door. That's what they're called. So, yeah. yeah, I just happened to come across a dreamer door, and my kids are like, ooh, what's that? And I'm like, oh, man, dinner's half cooked. Might as well try it. Let's go. And <laughs> luckily got through pretty easily. I, I'm level 45 right now, and, like, everything in there was level 27 to 35. Even when the danger level got up to level 3 at one point, like, everything was still right at my level. So it was all right. I dropped the danger level down right before I fought the boss and it wasn't even a, wasn't even a real big challenge. So no, I've, I've loved, um, and you know what, Yangus, it's funny. You mentioned it's like a dragon quest game. Cause definitely I want to say at the beginning, now that I can fly, all bets are off, whatever. I just go everywhere I want. Um, but especially the first like 15 hours where you're walking across the map and everything. I actually love the little, uh, the chibi fied characters. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love the overworld maps and, going and finding the chests and the spots and the this and the uh, skirmish battles areas and being little chibi figures going across as much as I do going in the caves and the dungeons when, you know, you're your normal 3D characters walking around and it's a little bit uh, more. You just walk up to an enemy and the battle's right there. The screen doesn't have to break away or whatever. Um, I think between those two different styles, the overworld style where you start a battle where you have to zoom in and do the battles the stuff in the dungeons where you just walk up and smack them, um, the empire building, all the side quests, I f- and the skirmish battles. And reading some reviews in the past couple of weeks, I've seen that skirmish battles were something a lot of people really didn't like or tried to avoid or didn't care about. Um, I actually like the skirmish battles. That's a cool little thing. Yes, see, I really enjoyed those too. I thought that that was a great way to you know uh, break up some of the overworld exploration exploration you know you get into mm-hmm. a fight and what was really cool was that as you recruited certain people to your um, kingdom that then you could use them in your party and you could like like some of them were better with magic some were better with spears you know some that were good with axes you know whatever whatever the case might be and it can give you a bit of an advantage depending on what skirmish battles you get into so there's a little bit of strategy there but at the same time you know if you got your favorites you can get in you can level them up enough or you know just play carefully and you know you're good to go then and i'm sure absolutely nobody made this connection but me in my twisted head but you know you're you're going through the skirmish battle and you can have up to four people with you with their army unit so you're playing as evan and 
you're surrounded by four people, um, literally in like four points of a star, basically, or you know, in a mm. square around you, and each of them have what little like ten little soldiers with them or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That circle them, and you use the trigger or the um like the L one and the R one buttons to rotate them left and right, um, so that different ones are facing forward because kind of like in Fire Emblem, you know, spear is good against axe, which is good against sword, which is good against spear. There's yep. the weapon triangle. Um, but to me, the only thing I could think of as I'm rotating people left and right to um like have my guys go pound their archers or whatever is I'm thinking of uh yokai watch one and two using oh, yeah. to rotate the ro- the yokai watch and put in different party members like that. I, I, that's just what struck me as I'm playing. I'm like, Hey, this is like yokai watch. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Everybody's there, but I could just rotate them right in. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But eh, more level five stuff there um and yeah the skirmish battles are you're just running around in an area there's a bunch of little and there again it's the chibi fight guys like running around um there's watchtowers to destroy camps to take over um it's almost like a strategy rpg but taking place in real time yeah it's it's a more it's kind of like um oh, what's that an rts game where it's real-time strategy mm-hmm. because yeah. when i played uh, the skirmish battles i think what really made me like them too was it reminded me a lot of the Pikmin games from Nintendo where it's, you know, you have to get your little guys to follow you around. You set them off to do tasks and they'll carry stuff or they'll fight enemies for you. Then you can go off and do another thing. And with the, some of the skirmish battles that you do in Nino Kuni 2, it reminded me a lot of that because there's ones where um, the, like, there's a barbarian guy you always have to fight against. Uh, I forget his name, but he's the one that, he's the one that originally is in charge of the Heartlands before you... Uh, come in and like throw him and his barbarians out. He keeps coming back, and you have to either defend the kingdom of Evermore, or you have to go off and find where these uh, spawn points are hidden at across the across the plains and uh, defeat them, so you can you know stop the barbarians from you know essentially regrouping and constantly coming after you. But then you have one time where you do that, and then it's like, ha ha, we surprised you. Uh, you know we. Uh, lured you away from the kingdom so now we're gonna destroy it and it's like no we gotta get back to the kingdom really fast we gotta okay, make sure you... that we keep all of our um like catapults and stuff and our watchtowers intact too now you're giving me flashbacks to etrian odyssey mystery dungeon <laughs> with the uh or those monsters that kept attacking your town yeah the steward you were... what yeah it's the does they call them does instead of foes yes. so i assume yep. they did that just so you can go don't <laughs> Oh, oh, I definitely went. <laughs> and I also doed right out of that game because of those things. Because, yeah, it, it was that same mechanic. Like, you could just keep going and exploring, but then you had to rush back to your city and blah, blah, blah. I mean, completely different mechanic, but, uh, like, that's what... Yeah. You, you just The way you just described it made me cringe a little inside from Etrian Odyssey Mystery Dungeon flashbacks. Yes. <laughs> but, no, it was nothing. I mean, it's nothing like that. Because, yeah, the skirmish battles are pretty cool. I, I think they're, they're all over the world map. You, they're... I, I love how things just are like so present on the world maps. Like mm-hmm. you got that big banner just glowing. Mm-hmm. You're walking around the world map, and holy crap, there's a huge big banner glowing there. You know, there's going to be a skirmish battle if you go over to that. You can start one. Or uh, I mean, the treasure chests look huge on the map. Uh, what are the the guys that are glowing? There's and enemies glowing with a big purple circle around them. Yeah, those are um, special enemies. I don't mm-hmm. remember what the game calls them, but. Um... Those are one thing that, like, so we didn't really talk about this a little bit 
but um, when the game originally came out, there was only the default easy difficulty or just normal difficulty, and a lot of battles were very easy to get through. Like, I'm not really used to action RPGs other than playing uh, the Ease games, but, like, going into Nino Kuni 2, I never felt like I got overwhelmed or where I was necessarily challenged super or super badly or like i was like really unprepared but i mean whenever it came to these enemies that we're talking about with the uh, purple circles around them they're essentially like a stronger mini boss version of some of the normal enemies you come across Mm -hmm. and they can be pretty damn hard there are some of them like especially when you get to the end of the game that like before they added some of the higher the higher difficulty options um nino kuni 2 is pretty easy for the most part but you get to some of these bonus bosses and they can just absolutely wreck your ship like, there is one in particular where it's a fairy who can ha- uh, summon two assistants to help her out. One can constantly heal the queen fairy that you're supposed to uh, fight as the main target. The other one keeps casting powerful spells that can take off, like, half your health bar, even with good equipment. And then you have the queen fairy who you got to deal with her uh, craziness, too. And then there's ones where you got to fight, like, a giant, like, shadow dragon and some other stuff like that. And... They, they can get pretty hard, like even on the easy difficulty, they can be pretty challenging. So you got to, you know, be aware of what sort of characters you're going in with or what um, of the little higgledies that you're using for like support abilities. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we haven't even talked about that. Those the higgledies. That's a cool thing in the battle system, because um, right away, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm not an ARPG uh, player much either, but these battles just I don't know. It, they're not super you gotta be completely a huge person who knows how to use all this stuff. I, I felt they were easier than the originally Nokuni battles just because they were purely action. I didn't have to go into menus. Like everything's got a hot button. You know, I hold down R two and hit a button to use this spell or this ability. Eighty percent of the time I'm just swinging my sword or shooting my gun. Or depending on the character, axe and bow and arrow and stuff like that. So, I mean, to me, it's almost like playing a Musou game. You're just going in there into a swarm of enemies, four or five, ten of them even sometimes, and just attacking. And in a minute, the battle's usually over. But yeah, those guys... And every battle, when you approach an enemy, you see the level above their head. It always tells you what level they are, and they're glowing red if they're much higher than you, or blue if they're uh, much lower or something. And when I was playing with my kids today, too, they were looking at them and my son's like reading the names and calling off. Oh, this should be easy. This should be easy. And I think I had just done a boss battle somewhere in the water to beat a um, side quest. And then I started doing another side quest and I encounter one of those guys, that's you know, the glowing purple, the harder version. And it was like level 40. And my son's like, didn't you just take out a level 47, whatever? And I'm like, yeah, this should be easy. I'm level 45. I'm taking on one of these guys at level 40. It should be easy. Holy crap. Like the first, the first two seconds, the guy just walks up and did half my health bar with a hit. Yep. And I'm like, oh, yikes. <laughs> I mean, I know this is like supposed to be a harder fight, but. You're five levels under me. Like, give me a break. And then it, like, cast a spell that killed two of my people instantly. I was like, oh, my God. Thank God that the revival item revives everybody in the party when you use it. So, yeah, angel tier or whatever. So that's why I mentioned the fairy queen battle, because it's 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 just like that. You could be like several levels above, but it can still just walk up to you. Boop. Hit you. (laughs) There goes half your health. (laughs) 
Um, so far, my favorite battle has been the Kingmaker for the Queen of the Sea. Um, all the, as Yangus was saying, all of the leaders have this Kingmaker, which is a gigantic beast that is their, uh, kind of like their familiar or whatever. It's the person who's certified that they are the king of their kingdom. And they're usually these big, gigantic dragon-like things. And, you and you know, as you're going through kingdom by kingdom, they're being corrupted um, by the main antagonist. And you have to fight them each as you're going through, before as you're solving the problems. And that one was just so cool because I, I think it was like a flying ice dragon. And at some point after you get the life down about halfway... It just like covers itself in ice, flying above you. You can't really do much to it, and it just starts dropping these uh, like huge ice ice crystals. But if you break apart the ice crystals, more um, the Higglebees pop out some different ones than the ones that are already in your party, and they like form a drone, and the drone is like a cannon. And you're just sitting there, ping, 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 ping. It becomes like a shooter for a couple seconds. Yeah. And you have to shoot the ice off, and then the battle goes back to just being a battle for a bit, and. I thought those were pretty cool. And then I just, um, last night I was doing the one um, in the Broadleaf, and my God, that thing was gigantic. It was built like a like almost an entire castle on the back of this turtle-like creature. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh my, this is where my platforming did not work out so well. <laughs> at, the, at the end of that battle, like something happens and you have to like climb up magical light stairs to like do the final blow on the thing's head. Now, luckily, it's not hurting you at this point or anything, but I swear it took me 15 tries to get on his head because some of those light <laughs> light platforms just disappear. And there was a pattern to it, but I kept forgetting the pattern by the time I'd reached like <laughs> step 15. I was like, oh, my God, I've already won this battle. Why do I have to do this so much? <laughs> That's funny. I was just about to ask how that fight, how that part went for you, because I know you're not really much of a platformer guy. <laughs> yep, but like literally just going up 15, 20 stairs took me probably five minutes at the end of that battle. It probably took, and nothing's shooting at you. Nothing's going on. You just have to go up and turn around at the same time. And just moving up with these light platforms that were disappearing underneath me were like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so far, I, I think it's really cool. I'm definitely going to finish this up, and I, I probably will not get into the DLC uh, there's always a longer line of games awaiting me afterwards, but uh, I'm really liking this and all the different types of stuff. You know, these big battles, the skirmishes, um, you know, the overworld battles, going into the caves, even going into those little, um, what do we say, the dreamer doors. Um, yeah, it, it, there's always something different to do. It's not like you're doing the same thing for two hours straight. Mm-hmm. at any one point and even going back and managing the city i love that like it almost feels like a small callback to level five's earlier work with uh oh, what were we talking we even mentioned it earlier drippy mentioned it dark cloud that's it yes the original dark cloud i love the city building of that aspect i mean although this is like nothing like that it's you're not having to rotate buildings to fit them in a certain place but <laughs> yeah you're building a kingdom. You're building something, so that's pretty cool too. Yeah, I liked it with the kingdom uh, aspect. How you got all these different requests to recruit new people into your kingdom, whether it was whether you just talked to that particular character in the different towns and uh, kingdoms, mm-hmm. 
or if it was you talk to the little side quest man that you can speak to and you can turn in uh, like the reward points to then um, basically be like, oh, well, you know, this character was looking to move to a new place or this character was looking to start up a business. And it's really funny that I really got into that so much when we were or when I played that game back in like early 2018, because at the end of 2018, Platy and I started doing an, uh, an RPG race for Suikoden, which is a game all about recruiting a bunch of characters to join your <laughs> army. So it was really funny when we started playing that. It's like, oh, I bet this inspired Nino Kuni too a bit. So <laughs> but like, do they like, have a hundred and eight of them in this game? <laughs> they they do have a hundred, not hundred and eight. Oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, like like with all the stu- all the different uh, gameplay styles and mechanics and everything that are present in the game, that's why I really got into it, and that's why I wanted to shoot for the uh, platinum trophy for it. Because that was at the time when I played it; it was before they had all the updates that added in like new trophies and um, you know the DLC trophies and everything like that. But you know, going for it, I didn't feel like it was a chore to play that. 80 hours or so that I did to get everything and to, you know, get that trophy and everything. Cause I really enjoyed my time with the game and I'd love, I'd love to go back at some point and play the DLC. And of course I want to go back and check out the first game as well with the, you know, the PS4 remaster of it and everything. And it's, it, it, it can just be a fun time. And I think if you are a fan of dragon quest in particular, you probably will enjoy this game because it does have sort of that dragon quest feel which you know probably helps that it was made by level five you know and they've had a lot of experience with rpgs and helped with making dragon quest games too because and if you love puns you're gonna love this game too because there's puns up the butt <laughs> oh yeah the first game too i mean yeah this definitely uh i mean kind of everything by level five does i mean that's what that's what started the whole puns in dragon quest was when they did dragon quest eight mm-hmm. and nine and then uh you know they, they're Geez, the puns in, uh, gosh, what were we just talking about? Yokai Watch. Those are incredible. Oh, yeah. Yep. Every monster um, name is a big old pun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah, both Nino Kunis have lots of puns. Yeah. So, Drippy, still with us? Yeah. Do I get to rant now? Yes. I was going to say. So, <laughs> so what are the things, what are the things that we liked that you didn't? Or what are the things that we didn't even bring up that. So. Kill you can't say you. everything, by the way. <laughs> no, I think the worst part about having to sit through all that is that you guys almost convinced me to want to play it again. Yes. I, just, I was so, I had so high expectations for it, just coming off um, the first game being my favorite. And everything just felt like a knockoff to me. Um, one of the things that really stuck out to me was the world map theme. Uh, in the first game is one of my favorite, you know, overworld themes just in general. And the second game kind of remixes it. And I think we lost him again. And it just never came. Is that? I think we lost you for a little bit again. You cut off for a sec there. God damn it. Sorry about all this. I was adjusting my mic and stuff like that. Um... So we heard most of it, but like, what was the problem with the theme for the second one? Just didn't. Yeah, that part was kind of getting cut off. Yeah. The. It, the theme just, it sounds like a remix well, mm-hmm. of the first one, and I was always expecting to hear it, um, you know, go back to the first one. And I don't know, everything just feels, I, it just feels like a generic kind of game to me. Um, I think the art style, it kind of tries to be, you know, like the old one, but it just isn't to me um i don't know it, it just really feels it feels like an imposter to me um and you know but i really think 
that it was my own fault. I set myself up to think it was going to be the sequel to the greatest game ever, and it wasn't for me. Um, but, you know, hearing you guys talk about it the way that you did, I think a few years removed, I could maybe go back to it and enjoy it. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, as you guys were talking, I was looking up how much a copy would cost to get it. So I'm happy. 16 bucks, I got it for. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> It's pretty cheap. They're both pretty cheap to come by nowadays. Um, so I don't know. Maybe one day. Maybe one day when I have literally nothing else to play, I'll go back to um, you old know, toothless IT drippy sitting toothless. in the home. <laughs> yeah. You damn kids in your Nino Kuni too. You damn kids. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? Hearing what you said there about that, it it kind of makes me feel like my feelings on Dragon Quest Six. Um, I didn't play Dragon Quest VI until after I played Dragon Quest VII. So I'd played five, loved it, amazing. You know, usually at the top of everybody's list, top three or something of Dragon Quest. I loved seven. I loved, like, the PS1 version of it even. I put a hundred and some odd hours into it. And then after those two, playing six is like, eh, your story's not as good as five. And... Eh, I've already done this job system in seven, so whatever. And eh, the characters aren't all that compared to those other two casts. You, you got a little too much. I, I don't like all these switching in and out. I, I had my good family and for um, monsters in five. I had my set party in seven, you know, even not liking Maribel that much, whatever. But yeah, six was just <laughs> six. It, six is in no way a bad game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's usually not reviewed as the top of the Dragon Quest games, but I mean, Usually people don't dislike it with as much vehemence as me. Yeah. I've seen plenty of people say that they like to, you know, they like two more than one, and that's fine. You know, I could have potentially been one of those people if I had played two first. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, but yeah, I was just so set up in the action gameplay as opposed to the turn based and the collecting. Um, I know Blue Star, you are one of you guys talked about, you know, the fairies weren't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and they were replaced with these Higgledies, and I'm like, what the hell are these things? Like, <laughs> yeah, they got no personality or anything. Yeah, They're just it, that's the thing. I think to me, after coming off the first game with so much character and personality, and you know, and story and stuff like that, and I, it's a really small nitpick, but I remember when I was watching every trailer that came out, there were some trailers that had cutscenes in it where the characters were obviously voicing the lines but when it came to the actual game that voice acting wasn't there uh the the one that sticks out to me was when you first get introduced to the higgledies and the little old lady that says oh you know you'll take my higgledies or whatever that's just a text box in the game it's not a voice line anymore. i don't know it just felt like i, I don't know it, it just felt off yeah they do that um stupid to sit like that stupid way for 90% of the text in the game where like the person says the first word or two. Yeah. Or an exclamation like, or makes a sound that they would start off saying, yeah, you're right. If yep. I never hear Evan say golly again in my goddamn <laughs> I hate him. I don't like the characters in this game. The Kigglies are not Mr. Drippy. It just, I mean, I, I told a few people this. Mr. Drippy is my favorite character. It's why part of my name is Drippy or why I go by Drippy because I love Mr. Drippy so much. And what the hell was the guy's name? Lofty? Lisa Simpson or whatever? Yeah, yep. Lofty Simpson. Yep. Hashtag not 
my companion because (laughs) it's just yeah you get the welsh accent and stuff like that but you're not mr drippy and you know it's just like everything felt like it was trying to be the first game somehow or i don't know man i just man i i am not a fan of the second game if you couldn't tell I don't know if that really came across. Now tell us how you really feel. I fucking hate this game. How does that make you feel? <laughs> it's okay. You can let it out. <laughs> no, it's, I, a safe, I, it's a safe place. It's a safe place. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, I mean, but again, I could totally, you know, I could totally give it another shot. And, you know, I could. it does have, it does have good qualities. The kingdom built is cool. Um the skirmishes, when you get a hang of them, um, you know, they can be interesting and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I, I, it was just really my expectations that got to me. Yeah. Well, you no, know, I, sometimes, too, like, when you play, a game can make a difference, too, because there's been some games that I've played, and, like, when they launched, it's like, oh, like, I had that with Dragon Quest V, where I had first, when I first played it, it's like, okay, well, this game isn't really as special as, you know, everybody seems to make it out to be. I didn't really get it. But then when I replayed the game, um, uh, like a few years later, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I, I'm starting to see now why it's so well liked, and I found myself enjoying it more too. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, I, I totally get it. Where sometimes your expectations can set things a little high, and then you're like, well, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like I, you know, I was saying, I waited at the GameStop for an hour. I rushed home, got into my console, and yeah, I played it, you know, for a few hours and stuff like that. But the longer I played it, I was just this is just the worst. And like, I, I have gotten to the final boss. I have attempted to fight the final boss once, once before. Um, and I lost because I was under leveled. I didn't feel like doing all the side quests and stuff like that. Like I did before. So I was under leveled. I got to the final boss. I lost. I'm like, you know what? I'm just done with this game. I'm, I'm not going to finish this. I can't bring myself to, you know, I, I hadn't played it in a few months just because, you know, I just, I was so sick of it. And um, so I think really coming back to it a few years later with a fresh, you know, fresh slate and stuff like that, getting another try, maybe. Um, but yeah, initially I just could not oh, do this, it. You know what? There's a 3DS game, Ever Oasis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that game. game. <laughs> so here's the thing that ruined it for me. I... I, I remember, actually, um, that game had a huge preview in the same treehouse or whatever that Dragon Quest Seven did. And I actually remember driving between Orlando to Tampa. We were going to my in-law's house, and, like, I had my wife drive home to her parents' house there for an hour and a half because I wanted to stream that treehouse on my phone the whole way home. And I wanted to see the 10-minute part about Dragon Quest Seven 3DS coming up. And then they had a whole preview of Ever Oasis. And I'm like, oh, my God, this looks like, um, oh, crowd, why can't I remember the name of it now? Um, I think you said Fantasy Life. Yes. And that's where it ended up ruining it for me. Fantasy Life is my favorite one-off game ever. Like, number, and here we talk about level five again here. Fantasy Life, I put 120 hours into it. I bought that DLC, and I did everything. There's 12 life jobs that you could do in there. I got every single one of those but two, all the way up to the highest possible DLC job level. I did every side quest, everything, everything in that game, 
left two jobs that I, like I just wasn't good enough to get the final wizard one or the final what other one they were battle ones and looking at ever oasis I thought wow that looks like fantasy life and there's a town building aspect to it and whatever and it wasn't fantasy life and it I beat it and sold it within like three weeks it was just gone I wanted it out of my house I just pissed me off yeah and yep. it's it, and it's because I had that whole expectation built up, and the whole way through I kept saying, "This isn't fantasy life." Why? Why did I convince myself of that? Why did I read that somewhere one time and fixate on it? Because this isn't it. Honestly, it's a fine game. It's not going to blow people away, except for Blue Star. She loved it. Um, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but if I didn't have that expectation, I think I'd like in my personal ranking, it would pop up like two points on my scale of t- ten easily. But the mm-hmm. fact that it wasn't fantasy life killed it for me. Yeah. So good. You know what? Had it, I had that kind of problem on the fan, the final boss, I would have sold it too, yeah. and not finish it because um, Legend of Legacy is the only game I've ever done that on. The part got that to the really final. No, I was gonna say the, that's the only game. Legend of Legacy is the only one I got to the final boss, and I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, nope. I think the thing that really got me and why I hated the second game so much was because. I spent the $200 for the collector's edition. And even the collector's edition let me down. You know, they were showing, oh, look at all this stuff, look at all this stuff. And I don't know, it came with like this mobile, like diorama thing. And like <laughs> the figures looked horrible. It, it had the three main characters and uh, the kingmaker from the casino town. And you see these pictures and stuff like that. But when you look at the actual figure, it was like the worst painted thing. It looked horrible. And I was just everything about it just let me down, um, especially with that collector's edition. And I see it. I see it on, um, you know, going on deal sites on Twitter and stuff like that. Like, oh, the Nino Kuni 2 collector's edition, like 80 bucks. I looked up. I looked it up on Best Buy uh, while you guys were talking about it. It's on clearance for like 90 bucks now. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I spent $200 to get this thing, you know, waited, not all night. I waited quite a while for it and stuff like that because it kept getting delayed too. The game got delayed uh, a few times. Um, and yeah, just just everything didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Hey, and that happens. We've all had those games. Yep, that's my. That's the one game where you know all those. Oh, what's the most disappointing game you've ever played? It's probably always going to be Nino Kuni too. But I'm <laughs> really glad that people liked it because, well, until the recent news that Level Five is um, basically shutting down all of their North American operations, mm-hmm. you know, it really gave me hope that hey, you know, maybe Nino Kuni can be a franchise. And they they said, oh, we're making a third game, but it's a phone MMO. And oh, it's- yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like it's like you fantasy know, life two all over again. They're like, oh God, yes. It's like you know you can do something with this franchise and stuff like that. But like you know, so that, I was really excited. Like, wow, everybody, you know, it, the the second game reviewed really good. Um, I think the one that set me off, I think it was like GameSpot that gave it a seven, and I remember sitting there like. And, and seeing them, you know, seeing that final score of a seven pop up. And I was like, no, they just don't get it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I haven't played this game. How can I tell a reviewer, you know, oh, no, you got it wrong. 
I mean, I know that's the thing to do on the internet, but like, I was <laughs> not like offended, but I was like, how dare they give this a seven? This is going to be a great game and stuff like that. You know what? I think that seven might be spot on for me. Maybe 7.5. <laughs> yeah, and it's re- it's up there on Metascore is an 84 out of 100. So that's that's pretty that's high. Not bad. Yeah, that's no. not bad. Yeah, I would say it's about like an eight eight point five sort of game because there there's a lot of good to it but there's some stuff that and unfortunately it's just i think it's one of those things it's a level five game that kind of holds it back like i absolutely hate the side quest system in nino kuni 2 i really don't like sides side quest stuff in level five games because it's always just go kill this enemy like this many times or go collect this item this many times which to be fair is kind of what you usually see in rpgs but you gotta change it up some you can't just always have it have it be like oh there's hundreds of side quests but they're all collect three of this thing (laughs) yeah that just that honestly is my my biggest complaint with nino kuni 2 because when trying to do some of the side quests for villagers that can join you it's like, oh man, these characters are really interesting, but the quests to get them are goddamn stupid. Yeah, you gotta farm a bunch of items or raise the level of this building or something like that. That takes real time. You know, like you guys were talking about, oh, you mm-hmm. just leave your system on or whatever to, you know. That- well, see, I had that with the... Expo- it's like when I hear people talk about how they didn't like the alchemy pot in the original Dragon Quest Eight. Like, mm-hmm. maybe it's just because I explore an awful lot, but I never found it to be like... Uh, hassle when like you had to wait like a few minutes or wait a while for the game because like i could go and do some story progress or do some exploration side quest stuff whatever then come back to the town it's like oh, okay well now this village or now this um building is you know ready to be upgraded or now my studying is done here so now i can get that going so i can go back to what i'm doing you know i i can see where people would be like oh my god this is frustrating i guess it depends on your play style Definitely. too you know that can make a difference yeah, I definitely also explored way too much in Dragon Quest Eight, so the alchemy pot was never a problem. But uh, if if I ever got a backlog of stuff, if you turn the controller upside down and place it just right, you'll run into a wall, and the alchemy pot will finish on its own. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I remember doing that. <laughs> I would always just get the great saber cat and just run around the overworld, and then it's like, ding, there you go. Yep. <laughs> so looking back, you know, um, you know, talk about how it reviewed well. Yeah, uh, it reviewed right there. It, it's got a 85 and 86 for the original game and the remaster of the original game. So, you know, it review wise, the second game was right up there with the first game. Yep. So now what would you give the movie? I think it was a horrible segue. Because <laughs> I remember, well, I, the, what I do remember about the movie was that um, Dragon Quest, your story was coming out right after it. So I was in mm-hmm. like heaven. I was like, I think they like both came out on Thursdays. I was like one week, boom, Nino Kuni movie, sweet. I got nothing to do tonight. I'm gonna watch that. And then yeah, next week, you know, your story comes out and stuff like that. Like, oh my god, I can't believe they're making movies about this. Um the yeah, the only thing that really sticks out to me um about the movie was um Oliver. I mean, there's a character that I think is heavily implied as Oliver. So like mm-hmm. seeing that after I think, you know, I wasn't really paying attention. Um to like the worlds and stuff like that. I didn't didn't really didn't really get that. I mean, I know probably you guys kind of caught on to more what the world was about being, you know, Kuni 2 fans. Actually, I think the 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 world is set after Nino Kuni 2, but I feel like a lot of the a, a lot of the constructs that tie the worlds together was 
a lot more of a callback to Nino Kuni 1, which I thought was actually really interesting because a lot of the things that, you know, felt absent in Nino Kuni 2 came back in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's the line that I read earlier when I was pulling up something and realized I was reading about the movie. Not that so, somebody that had been with Studio Ghibli was the director of the movie. So while it wasn't necessarily them, I think it was more closely tied to that first one. Didn't they have the statue of the Cat King? Yes, yeah, King Tom, I believe. Yep. Yeah. So there were some throwbacks, yeah, to the first one. Um, I just felt I don't know because I was I was kind of I was like, how are they going to do this? Are they going to go to wor- to the world of the first one? Are they going to go to the world of the second one? Or are they going to make their own world? Um, so I wasn't I didn't really know what to expect going into the movie, how they were even going to do it. Yeah, and I had never played the second one when that movie came out back in what late January, early February. And yeah, like I think the press release from Netflix at the time was about both of those movies coming out. Like, hey, guess what? We're bringing over Nino Kuni 2 and Dragon Quest Your Story. I had no hope for Nino Kuni coming over. I was like, if they're not going to bring over Dragon Quest, which I didn't think they were going to, I'm like, there's no way in hell they're bringing over Nino Kuni. Nobody is going to know what this is. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool that they did bring it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the movie was fine. I, you know, I got all those little things, the little old... It was an old guy in the hospital, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. yep. Um, that was pretty obviously yeah supposed to be oliver mm-hmm. um and then yeah just like the, the statue and everything i mean the story was completely its own thing and <laughs> the schoolboy characters from modern day japan was completely its own thing um but it, it to me it was you know that's an anime movie you know that it was okay yeah like i i got i got got the kind of source theme material behind it (laughs) but it wasn't Mm -hmm. like you know that's the first movie that's the second movie whatever it was its own thing yeah i messaged platy um because i i watched the movie on wednesday and i wasn't able to finish it until the next morning so my opinion of the movie on Wednesday was that, okay, you know, this is pretty good. I noticed there were a lot of shout outs to um, the games. Like I noticed a lot of musical cues from both Nino Kuni one and two, since I have both the soundtracks mm-hmm. and I noticed a lot of themes from both games that will play at different points. Uh, like you had the different Kings maker themes from two playing during certain battles or when like um, the sword Mornstar shows up, you have, um, I don't remember the name of the kingdom, unfortunately, but it's the cow people from the first game in like the desert yes thank you um like their song plays during the um cure the princess dance that the medicine men come to try and you know help her with her mysterious illness that she has like that's the song that they dance to um you had like the the flying theme from two as the song where they're flying off to the pure lake to try and you know help the princess heal up from her scar and, you know, just different little things like that that I noticed. And then what I thought was cool was that the kingdom that it took place in was the kingdom of Evermore, like years and years after Evan's time and everything. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a nice touch that they named it that. And that there were a few little things here and there that were like, OK, that looks kind of like, you know, this building or that building or so such. Like even the crown that um, one of the characters puts on towards the end of the film, it's very reminiscent of the crown that Evan ends up wearing in that game to uh, towards the end of it when he um, before the credits roll. But anyway, like I, I got through most of the movie. I had like maybe 15 minutes left or so, and I just wasn't able to finish it on Wednesday night. And where it ended at, it was right at the point where the two main characters, uh, you and Haru, where they get split off from each other. Because um, just to give a quick spoiler, like one of them, like one of them decides to stay behind in the world of Nino Kuni, and the other one goes back to the real world because they go back and forth at different points. 
Um, and that's where I had to stop the movie. And I'm like, you know, that's a that's a good way to end it. And I can kind of see where the ending's going to go from here and everything like that. But then I watched the move, the rest of the movie, uh, the following morning before I went to work. And that kind of immediately shot my opinion of the movie from good to, oh my god, what the fuck was that? <laughs> because so, so you had a Dragon I, Quest Your Story moment. I, I pretty much did. Be- and here, I'll, I'm going to get to that comparison too there. So I'm just going to go into spoiler territory here. So if you want to watch the Nino Kuni movie and you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. Pause here. Go watch that because I'm going to spoil the shit out of the ending. So here we go. So it gets to the ending. Haru's back in the real world. He sees that his girlfriend, uh, Kotane or whatever her name was, that she was fine. Uh, the woman who was driving him and you around before they went back to the world, the world of Nino Kuni for the last time, uh, that she was okay. And he's like, oh, man, you know, you, how's you doing? Is, is he here? Where's you at? You see this weird, like, flash happen, and they're like, you? Who you? you okay, what are you talking about? Well, then he's like, what, what do you mean? You don't remember him? Now, there's a line earlier where it talks about, like, how one life can affect another with the, how the worlds work, how, like, you're, like, your soulmates or whatever that term was for it. And Haru then is, like, trying to figure out what exactly happened to you and why nobody can remember him. And then, for some reason, the movie's like, oh, Haru and you were soulmates. For some reason, Haru was, uh, was or no, sorry, that you was Haru's soulmate from the Nino Kuni world, and you somehow ended up in the real world when Haru was in trouble as a kid. That's why they have so much in common and why they love the same girl. And that, and the movie tries to like bullshit explain itself within the last ten minutes. <laughs> I don't remember everything it says. But it basically is trying to be like, oh, yeah, they were the same person the whole time. I mean, there were so many similarities between them. How did you not notice that? And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell are you talking about, movie? There was no hints to them being, like, related to each other or being the other world versions of each other. And you can't use that explanation either because the other world versions of characters in the same movie look like that same character with the same, like... Uh, facial features, same hairstyle, and same other appearance, um, you know, parts of their appearance that would look the same between the two worlds. And when you look at Haru and Yu, they're totally different looking characters. One of them has slightly darker skin color, one of them has long black hair, one of them has a short brown hair. There might be like the same body build, but they they have clear differences between the two of them. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're not the same character. <laughs> it's one of the times where an ending to a movie like legitimately made me go what the fuck was that what am i watching (laughs) and i really did like the movie up to that point i thought it was interesting how it incorporated stuff from the games and other elements from the nino kuni series but then it just pulled that bullshit on the at the end (laughs) and it was it was i apologize for the rant but it was just one of those times where i was just like that is the dumbest thing you could have done to end that movie that was the dumbest thing that they could have done i figured it was going to be that you was going to be from like or like he was somebody from the other world because he knew so much about it and he kind of just accepted a lot of things about it no problem but that just like maybe he got into the other world somehow or like his other world self, you know, disappeared and the you from our world, um, you know, he came in to basically take that guy's place, you know, like maybe his other world version was the protector of the princess or he was, you know, someone who was going to become a hero. But, you know, he was 
killed off or something like that. So that's essentially why you was brought into that world to sort of, um, you know, try to create that balance to put things back in order, you know. And then he just at the end of the movie would be like, oh, I'm going to stay here. I like it here. But then it just pulls that bullshit where it's like, oh, no, they're the same character the whole time. How could you not know that? That's so dumb. So dumb. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, it was a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. I loved the animation, good music callbacks and things like that. And other than, I mean, I, I like you guys, I was really surprised that it was supposed to be Oliver towards the end there. Like, I figured the old man was going to have some importance. But when he showed up in the attire that he did towards the end of the film, it's like, oh, my God, was that who that was? <laughs> yeah, because I think it doesn't even, like, talk about magic throughout the game and stuff like that and you are or, or, uh, throughout the movie and yeah it's not until he actually throws on like oliver's clothes um you know his normal outfit that i'm like oh my god that's him that's amazing <laughs> yeah that was that was a cool little thing it did make me wonder though why exactly oliver was in a japanese hospital but i mean i, I, I guess we're not gonna get an explanation of that one because he just sort of showed up and is like here's my cane bye <laughs> <laughs> bye it's actually a sword see you later born star uh, is a sword because reasons it's a, it's a yeah it's a, apparently it's other world self is a, an old man's cane so there you there you go <laughs> that kind of made me mad as well and i and the second game as well because in the first game oliver's wand you know he gets more star and then the second game, they're like, we need to get this thing. It's called Mornstar. And I'm like, come on, dude. Get your own name. Like, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, you know, well, like most movie adaptations, you know, people always say the book is better here. I guess the games were better. Go in it's with weird, low expectations like, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm just going to tell you now, when you get to the part at the end where um, Haru and... Um, you go their separate ways and you decides to stay in the other world. Just just stop the movie there. Just <laughs> skip it. Skip ahead to the credits. Don't watch the last 15 minutes or you might get kind of pissed off like I did. Because oh, Jesus Christ, that was so bad. That was so bad. <laughs> like at least with Dragon Quest your story, there were at least hints about what the truth of the ending was. Without not going <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop talking about it. Movie was fine. <laughs> just ending sucked ass. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what half the people said when we did the uh, slime time on uh, Dragon Quest Your Story. The movie was fine, shut it off five minutes early, and you'll have a great time. And you'll never know the difference. You'll yep. never know. <laughs> Just get put under a sleep spell. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> Get one of those little men in black things and hit 10 minutes and just <laughs> wipe your memory. There you go. Get one of the little flasher pens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So I, I think that brings us to the end of all of our Nino Cooney talk. Um, anything else? We'll, we'll kind of go one by one. Uh, Blue Star, you ever think you want to see another game, another movie, another something from this franchise other than a mobile title? Other than a mobile title? Uh, yeah, honestly, I'd probably pick it up. It's probably one of the few games that just, you know, by the sheer title, you know, like if, if a Dragon Quest game comes out, I'm going to buy it. Uh, if another Nino Cooney game comes out, I'd probably buy it and play it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm really enthralled with number two. Never really thought I would be. And, you know, despite that battle system in one, I did have a good time. I did put like 45 hours into the game. I, I very rarely, if ever, do that to a game that, you know, if it's not, something's not gripping me. So I, I can definitely say this is a series to watch for. I mean, level five is always on my radar. I do love level five. Um 
But man, they Dark uh, Cloud Three won. <laughs> gosh, yeah, I mean Dark Cloud One, Dark Cloud Two. Those are the only PS2 and PS4 games I ever bought. Um, some who's been playing somebody on the den's been playing Rogue Galaxy. I loved that game back on PS2. Um, you know, the Dragon Quest games, almost every and I love Yokai Watch. Like I that that is to me that's above Pokemon to me. So I, it, it is a that's a fun series. Well, that's not and, hard to do nowadays, really, to be better than Pokemon. I think we're finding that's not too too hard. And you know, I, I say it all the time. I'm like, I'm over one versus one battles. I, I you know, I did it in Dragon Quest One. I'm yeah. good. I can do one versus one. It, give me something <laughs> different. Give me something different. Gosh, just once. <laughs> can I do two versus two more than one time in a million years? And that's what all these, like the Nino Kunis and the, um, a lot of the Pokemon clones and stuff that I've enjoyed Dragon Quest Monsters games. You've got a party of monsters. You're going in building parties of monsters and stuff like that. That's pretty amazing. So, but no, and, and I love it. I mean, you've got the Higglebees in this one. You had the familiars in the first one. Um, completely different mechanics, but both kind of working on that collecting monster, helping you out along the way. But yet you're fighting in the battles too. So, you know, two completely different ways to... it put that in a game i'd be interested in a third show me what you got mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yangus i know you haven't played one but uh you're interested enough to go back right oh yeah like i would definitely go back and play one at this point and i know from everything i've heard and seen how different the gameplay is so i because i'd like to sort of look it up into that stuff too before i try and jump into like past entries of the series but i mean i i really enjoyed the second game and despite my gripes with the movie i did enjoy the film and thought it was a good um, sort of, it stood out as its own thing, but still kind of worked within the series as a whole. And I'd, I'd like to go back and play the first game on my PS4 at some point. And, you know, if if they come out with a third console game, I would definitely check it out. And if it, you know, looks, you know, depending on what it is like when it comes out at launch, I'd, or what the gameplay is going to be like, excuse me, then I would either pick it up at launch or just be like, yeah, I'll wait till it goes on sale a few months later or something. But, you know, I do think there is a lot of fun creativity to it to the series and it's something we didn't really talk about much uh before now but uh it's got uh, most of the games or no sorry the games and the movie all have really good soundtracks thanks to uh joe hisaishi who is the composer from studio ghibli and a lot of his pieces throughout the games and some of the ones that are used in the movie both reused ones and new ones they're they're very good pieces there's a lot of stuff that i like listening to from two and from one like when i'm on my own time like the overworld theme from one the flying theme from two uh the seaside kingdom from two and a few other uh, select ones here and there it's got some good sound design to it both with the music and with like sound effects and everything all right and drippy you think you'd ever uh try to if they came out with a third would you uh go in with a more open mind or have you been yes. burned uh <laughs> yeah if it's it's kind of like blue star was saying if you if you slap the name nino cooney on it i'm gonna at least give it a look i'll probably overhype myself for it but i've only had two chances to do this well one chance really <laughs> i i wasn't i didn't even really know about the first game when it initially came out um mm-hmm. Yes, if I could keep my expectations in check, and if they were to do a third one, I don't know how they would do it. I would maybe kind of like to see them go back to like the DS version and do a turn-based, um, just to kind of, you know, they've done this real-time thing, they've done this action-based combat, see them do a turn-based thing. Um, yes, I would like to see a third one. Do I think it's ever going to happen other than that phone MMO 
I don't know. Probably not. Um, but yeah, I would. Um, I would be there on day one to buy it. Would it be the collector's edition? Depends on the price. <laughs> not. Uh, I don't. I don't really have a lot of room for collector's edition stuff anymore. Uh, collector's editions have kind of burned me in the past. So I think I would probably go with the standard edition um, of the game. Fair enough. Fair enough. Seeing that I own zero collector's editions, uh, I got no room to talk there at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. That is it for this episode of Slime Time SideQuest. We want to thank uh, Drippy Slime Star and Blue Star for joining us to talk about some of, well, what one of us says is the greatest game ever made, <laughs> and its sequel, and its prequel, and the DS version, and its movie. Thank you two for being here tonight. Thank you for having us. It was a great time being on again. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad Drippy didn't explode with rage over us talking positively about Nino Kuni too. I mean, uh, thank you for joining us both. We really appreciate you coming on with for us <laughs> and talking all things Nino Kuni. <laughs> all right, you might have noticed that the only time we ever mention the word Patreon on Slime Time is when we say we don't use Patreon. We are just longtime fans that want to speak about the topics and the games and the series we know and love so much. If you have some money that you would like to donate, consider sliding on over to the Dragon's Den at www.wudis.com den and click on support this site. Wudis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den Dragon Quest fan site for over 20 years and I'm sure would appreciate any donation. Or if you just want to slide on over there and use his Amazon affiliate link to make any uh, Dragon Quest related purchases. Um, maybe ordering any of the new Dragon Quest 11s coming out for other consoles uh, this month, then you could probably do that. And a small fraction of that sale will go to support the Dan. Uh, if you have any suggestions for a future side quest episode, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to Platy uh, via his Twitter, PlatyM3, or on the on the unofficial Dragon's Den Discord channel that we have. Uh, you can also contact me, Yangus the Legendary Bandit, on the Dragon's Den uh, via personal message or on the Dragon's Den Discord I just mentioned. Uh, just search for my name, uh, Yangus the Legendary Bandit, on either one, and you'll find me. Um, both Platy and I have a list that we've put together with all sorts of ideas that we'd like to talk about or ones that we might revisit in the future if we got enough interest to talk about certain games or certain entries from like a movie series or something like that. So if you have any suggestions for episodes, we'd be happy to hear from you and add to the list. Of course. Bye, everyone. Side quest complete, man. (laughs) 